Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. MLB storylines. Michael Peterson, we are in the last week of the season, last full week of the season. Got like 10 days left. Yeah, I think it's so the last scoring period if you're in a fantasy league. Yeah. That that does I mean, that does scoring are... periods to the end, which is always a little bit funky, but I kind of, I would like to be in a league that went all the way to the end. We are technically, and well, you and I are in a battle. We'll talk about that No, no, that no, but that's, but that's a full season rota. That's different. Okay, so any, yes, you're right, very different. Any advice to those who are still in the thick of it uh manage your team i mean you know just don't like don't don't let your team die um i think i my advice and i'm not 100 percent even sure that this is right so i'm hesitant to give it but my advice would be don't be swayed by the random call-ups that are going to appear this week mm. Mm. Yeah, well that have been there's appearing. some i just dropped story because it's like fuck oh, me it. too I'm, i have to he needs to be off of my team yeah, yeah. so i don't like i'm not even tempted um yeah there's like for that something like that if there's an injury risk i would definitely play one of those late season call-ups pull them on to the team <sighs> over one of those day-to-day guys people are on that i 10-day il who are on teams that are out of it well that that's true i guess okay so i've actually for the last week i've actually i would actually relax my fear of picking up a guy on a team that's out of it and just juice whatever orange is available right now if they're on a team that's out of it who cares well no that's who? what i'm saying yes yes i i agree with that actually there are some players who are making hay yeah. on on pittsburgh yeah chicago I, was, I pittsburgh was exactly who i was thinking of because they're like i got to get a a call for next year <laughs> in spring training yes like, i don't care if it's pittsburgh just call me. Yep. Somebody call me. Let me. Get, I'm gonna mash right now. Yeah. There's some really interesting guys. Pick up those guys. And yeah. And then I'd be anyone who has any sort of like. If you've heard that Mookie Betts has like a hangnail, <laughs> sit him. Yeah. Yeah. Check-ins. Fantasy leaders hitting. Aaron Judge. 17 weeks. Pitching. Justin Verlander. Eight weeks. This is gonna be more. This is more exciting at the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah. Here's this is more exciting. TGFBI, Mike, two eighty three up from three forty five last time we checked in. Eric, two ninety three down from two seventy nine. You have passed me. I have. I um. I haven't passed where you were last week, so you went down a little bit. But I, you know, I I have switched to full on juice whatever orange is available, and I'm just trying to mow past people because I'm paying attention. That's it. That's it. That's all. That's all it is. I'm just I trying have... to squeak out whatever stats I can. I have not. I've fallen off the last two weeks. I have had bad um, coming in on Friday, and it's like I have six guys in the on the IL. I can't, I, and I have no backup outfielder. Yeah, well, I mean, because because my team turned into a scrubs team about halfway through <laughs> DGFBI, and I just fully started cycling everybody. Uh, my guys aren't being, you know, aren't being sent to the IL for rest days, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see what I can do. You'll see what you can do. Hopefully we can end the season strong and made a couple of different 
substitutions. We'll see how it goes. You feeling confident? No. No, but hopefully I stay under 300. You want to continue Stats 101? I do. I'm really excited. Lesson 5. Lesson 5. Advanced Inferential Statistics, Artificial Neural Nets, A-N-N. Got to warn you, we're going to be light on baseball here because I just said I did not put it together in application. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think drilling down on this um, this topic, which is very complicated, probably good for us. Yeah, so let's do the... We're going to do a reverse funnel. <laughs> And I've got some real structured like comments to make, and then we're going to go into freelance conversation. Love it. Um, okay, we are really in it now. Today we're going to talk about artificial neural networks, often written as A-N-N. I have to go with artificial neural nets because it just like yeah. it just doesn't really roll off the tongue, but it also disambiguates <laughs> the way that I need it to. <laughs> Uh, to me, these are the buzziest of buzzy algorithms. A few thoughts before we even get into what they are. Quick Google Scholar search. Yeah, that function still exists, apparently. Found artificial neural nets applied across several fields. The second article was even an article surveying applications. So we're talking every. Wow. I mean, everything. Wow. It really is everything. Wow. I mean, I remember when I, um, when I was in college and did, we did, I did a data mining course. And we did research on artificial neural nets. And half the research out there was just on, like, look at all the cool ways that you could apply artificial neural nets. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like um, it's sort of like uh, crypto if crypto was practical, right? Or blockchain. In, in the, well, I would in, go in with the, blockchain. In the buzzy word sense, right? In, like, the like from that era. Yeah. Like, from the era that, from the era that we were in college, it, it, they hadn't quite reached the... the main genesis of uses other than a couple of the key ones that you're going to talk about but people were people yeah. felt like okay there's going to be tons of things to do with this and then it matured and we're kind of i feel i've sort of feel the same about blockchain it's like well you know we should talk about blockchain for fantasy baseball at some point i'll, I'll come up with something <laughs> blockchain for fantasy baseball crypto for fantasy baseball. i think that's right um <laughs> could you imagine if your fab was crypto oh wow there we go uh yeah exactly i mean i think that would was a lot of articles 10 to well i guess like eight years mm-hmm. ago eight years ago to 15 years ago a lot of articles about what are the things that we could do with these mm-hmm. and then now you're seeing a lot more applications and um i think those the papers that are applications aren't automatically like conference papers anymore you yes know what I mean? yes <laughs> no exactly that's what i'm saying it, it's moved past the it moved past the conceptual level, and even the two examples that you're going to talk about here were are born out of born out of academia. Well, sure, sure. So, um, and I, I think that that comes in that these are no longer just academic, yeah. conceptual models that are being talked about. They're used in tech all the time. Yep. And um, the two examples are the most well known neural net is Google search algorithm. Mm-hmm. Boom. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then they have like a little bit of, you have the most advanced artificial neural net that there is possible because it has so much data. It is trained on so much data. <laughs> it's great. And then at the very end, they're like, did someone pay us? Oh, yeah, they did. Okay. We'll put that one on top. <laughs> I know. No, it's, it, uh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. There's a, what's fun as we, we're getting towards the end of this is that all of these, all these statistical algorithms these tools once they get applied games off how much of the actual you know application ends up being the statistical tool is you know in the user's 
in the user's hands. Yep. The other one, YouTube, also a um, alphabet company. YouTube leverages artificial neural nets for cleaning up the comment sections. But it's really important, and it's so difficult for a human to do yep. to start with. Yep. And then on top of that, the amount of time that it would take and the number of people that it would take to just all day long, just like, I am going through the comments section yep. on Justin Bieber videos from 2009, and look at this. All, all, all of a sudden it crops up that you know some hate group is using that yes and just puts tons of comments in it to you know blast blast teenagers millennials whoever's actually looking at Justin Bieber and not not Shane Bieber i mean Shane Bieber hate hate speech is usually uh, something different <laughs> probably michael uh, made bots to, yeah absolutely uh, yeah, <laughs> to try and drive his value down so i can trade for him yeah <laughs> right so wait I, I i guess i wanted to just say I wanted to back up and say, why is it, why is, why am I still highlighting this YouTube piece? Mm. To have a human to look through and determine, is this comment hate speech? Yes, no. Is this comment hate speech? Yes, no. Yes, no, maybe so, mm -hmm. even. That is one, a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort in terms of time, full time employees. That is too draining for the human being that has to actually read it, because you have to read it. And you might read something that you do not like. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then because it is a human, you're dealing with human error. You know, I just scrolled a teeny bit and I missed the um, the neo-Nazi salute because I just was <laughs> scrolling as a human being doing it and didn't just didn't see it. Or mentally just didn't 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 notice it. No. So having an algorithm doing this takes a lot less time. Mm -hmm. Means that humans aren't burnt out in the same way and then also make sure that everything is applied in the same way this is both good and bad as i was starting to say on google's algorithms yeah i think i think i would i think i would encapsulate that largely into sort of um like reproducibility as well reproducibility i yeah. think i think is one of the key things yeah. i mean like conceptually asking like hey why are we using computers at all <laughs> like in general you you nailed a few you nailed a few of the main ones right like Okay, computers don't get tired. <laughs> they don't, you know, they don't freak out when they see something bad, and they do the same thing over and over and over. And you just basically yeah. highlighted all if your of those algorithm things. isn't yeah. doing the same thing over and over. Then you didn't write right. the exactly correctly. It's it has something in it that doesn't make it. Always run into that with with coworkers. It's like, well, why did it this time? Well, something dis is different. Is there a trailing space after it? Yes. After the word that you wrote. Yes. Oh, there is. Okay. Well, your literal lookup won't find the match <laughs> okay that could go down deep dates dates man dates oh. dates 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 my week was ruined last week by dates oh no so we discussed ann's artificial neural networks during algorithm club back in 3.05 do you remember this i do i mean i remember i, I, I don't remember everything about algorithm club but i do really i did really enjoy going over this because i remember you proposing it and being like no we're not going to get anything out of that it was cool. Yeah, being pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to rehash this. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Um, I've just talked high level. What are they? What are artificial neural networks? Uh, continuing the trend of this being a readily applied form of stats, let's get our definition from the gray hairs in the tech world. Here's what IBM has to say. Neural networks, also known as artificial neural networks, ANNs, 
or simulated neural networks, SNNs, are a subset of machine learning and are the heart of deep learning algorithms. Their name and structure are inspired by the human brain, mimicking the way that biological neurons signal to one another. Artificial neural nets are comprised of a node layer, or of node layers containing an input layer, one or more hidden layers, and an output layer. Each node or artificial neuron connects to another and has an associated weight and threshold. If the output of any individual node is above the specified threshold value, the node is activated, sending data to the net next layer of the network. Otherwise, no data is passed along to the next layer of the network. I mean, sure, technically true. I gotta say, if you actually care about this, go watch like a YouTube video because it's much easier with graphics. Oh well, yeah. I, I think it's One. I think it's much easier with presentation. I mean, everything everything you said is technically true, and you know we could delve into each one of these. But the fact that it the fact that it's a long paragraph like tells you that these are not simple machines immediately. And each one of the things that you listed, like okay, so the the input layer, hidden layers, output layer, neurons, what the fuck weights and thresholds, all of these things are the topic of major research. Like each one of those. <laughs> and now mm-hmm. and then we're talking about I don't know, just throw it all in a box. Throw it all in a blender. Hit go. <laughs> see what comes out. Yeah, so you, you you're already trying to cut to the pros and cons section. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm saying I'm saying that even actually before we get to applying them, the methodology is like I have to stitch all these things together. Like you now are going to talk through the different components. There's a lot of components. There's a lot happening here. Yes, 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 yes. There there's a lot happening here, and that is there's both a pro and a con. There's so much that is happening here, and the connection. This idea of these hidden layers, they give power to the method and they also make it more opaque. Yep. I, I completely agree with you. But but even if you're if half of our listeners go in and open up a YouTube about artificial neural nets, it's it's not gonna hundred percent just make sense. But you're right. A, a narrative is so hard in this um in this field. Yep. No, I, I don't think I should be I should be explicit. I don't think I don't mean to depress listeners, but if you're listening to this for the first time, you're not going to get ANNs today. But if you watch <laughs> the hope, <laughs> the hope is that we're exposing you enough that you're going to have exactly that you're going to be able to get the get over that uh, learning curve. Exactly. So when you're actually in those YouTube videos, that you're actually going to have a little bit like ooh, I remember saying I remember Eric saying in layers, and I remember Mike talking about matrices yes like, oh okay this is i'm getting this exactly all right how do they work neural networks consist of the following components an input layer an arbitrary amount of hidden layers an output layer a set of weights and biases between each layer and a choice of activation function for each hidden layer so i'm going to back up and, and say this is i'm just making bold pca first mm-hmm. eigenvector there we go each individual node is basically its own linear regression model inputs are multiplied through by their respective weights summed and then passed through an activation threshold to determine if it is passed to the next node. this goes on and on yeah and now you see why we structured stats 101 like this right yeah, because yep, you yep, just said yep, linear yep. algebra uh, you just said linear regression and then we talked yep. about linear algebra and it's like mm, i think we just talked about those things <laughs> yeah exactly well yeah hopefully people are like oh what hopefully they're not jumping in now yeah the idea once you think about it that way i think it really helps you have these different nodes and and a node is like what the fuck is a node 
But if you're thinking about this as you have an input data, you have several vectors of data, variables, you're shoving it into each node, into a linear regression equation, and then on the outside of that, basically it's like, you know, is the output of this linear regression equation above or below this threshold? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, I'm going to go over to this node and then put my variables from the beginning and the last node into this next. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, if, if you put together an artificial neural net for should I own Aaron Judge? <laughs> should I own a player? Okay, yeah. here's yeah, Aaron yeah. Judge. Uh, you know, here's the linear regression equation. But the, let's just say it's it's a binary of does the player have more than 30 home runs? Yeah. Aaron Judge has 60. Boom. Okay. Next net. Next note. All right. Does this player hit bat above 250? Aaron Judge does. Okay. I sh- then you go down the list, and then all of a sudden at the very end, you have you might have a value. You're going to have a value. And if it's above that final threshold weight, it's going to say, yes, yep. you should own this player is essentially how it's going to work. Weights, thresholds, nonlinearity, feedback loops, wheels within wheels. This is artificial neural nets. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of features. There's a lot of emergent behavior in neural nets. <laughs> well, yeah, the emergent behavior then that ends up Emergent behavior in a um, agent-based model, you know, we're ta- we just talk about the emergent behavior. On this, the emergent behavior then gets, okay, what's, you know, is is that the threshold? What is the threshold there? Right, exactly. And so we I'm saying emergent behavior because it. you've you've trained it to reach that point. You've trained it until training. you get that. Yes, training exactly. This is this is where we want to go. Um, training. Put that put that thought aside. I'm I'm gonna say one last thing. Uh, there are different flavors of ANN uh, feed forward neural networks or multi-layer perceptrons (MLPs) comprised of sigmoid neurons, not perceptrons, as most real world problems are not linear. <laughs> Convolutional neural networks. I'm saying these things so that you can have in the back of your head. CNNs, mm-hmm. not the net, not the uh, TV network. Recurrent neural networks (RNNs). Identified by their feedback loops, most like mostly used in um, time series analysis. Mm-hmm. Okay, training. How do how do you? Okay, so we've talked about this artificial neural networks. I haven't <sighs> talked about the math to, to put it together, but mm-hmm. said briefly, an artificial neural network is created using training data. Mm-hmm. That means that you have a bunch of observations, you put them through the algorithm. And then the algorithm is creating these these nodes, these weights, the connections between the nodes, and then you can run your data set through the neural the neural net, and then it will be able to quantify whatever whatever your your algorithm was meant to quantify. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I think about neural nets, I'm less scared of the different pieces that need to be stitched together and like okay i'll just put these pieces together but i am very scared about the the training data that you push through mm-hmm. to set up the model because it's fine to have you have like these you know uninitialized components like these blocks that you've maneuvered into the correct positions and then you have to push some data through it first to say okay what should the connections actually look like i i have no good handle on how to do that <laughs> so i guess I mean, I always feel worried when I have a problem that requires a training data set. Yeah, yep. Because this then relies on all the other pieces that, we talk, that we've talk we talked about in stats. 
which relies on stochasticity, making sure that our sample is truly random that we're using for the training data set. Yep. Like if we're creating the ownership artificial neural net and we're only sending in the top 60 players, well, no one else is going to get through. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's right. But I think about it, I mean, the thing about in the in like a baseball application is that they keep messing with the baseball. <laughs> so like, because you would say, okay, I'm going to use last year's data, right? And train everything on last year's data. That no longer appears to be a simple case. I mean, there are long-term trends in baseball that, that might not be captured if we shove last year's data through and say, okay, what's happening this year? And that, that's one of the big problems in biasing our neural net by pushing through. I mean, if you've read anything about neural nets, you know that bias is a real problem for them. And this is one of yep. the things that people talk yep. about. And, and the bias creeps in at the data set training, at the training data selection level, not at the, there's nothing wrong with the mathematics, but when you push through biased data, you're going to set up all these connections in a biased way. And that would be the fear. I mean, I can tell you from Aaron, from this year, if you pass Aaron Judge through a neural net, it's going to tell you to take him every single year forever <laughs> after this, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you if, if he's in your th if if you're using his three year weighted average, yeah. it's not going to matter what he's it, whatever he does next year. He could hit twenty home runs, and the model will still say own him. Yeah, exactly, own him because there's a chance that he might do well. Yeah, exactly. So I put in pros, nonlinearity, predictive. I mean, they are very predictive. Um, they can be used. Like PCA is not meant to be used for prediction. No, pure classification. We're actually looking at something exactly. that's forward-looking. This is no artificial neural nets are actually. Well, I mean, people use them for classifications, but people really want predictions. <laughs> it's for predictions, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's also, just, and as I said, many uses for these guys. These are it's used for everything. Uh, cons, dataset training, as we said, and then a black box. One of the one of the really cool things about the modeling that we talk about is like we decouple modeling from the actual prediction piece because we're trying to understand the data. We're trying to understand the relationships between data. We're trying to understand the problems by by putting into a modeling framework. This necessarily obfuscates the yes connection. Yes. Like I put it into the ANN and this is what I got out and I don't know what these artificial layers are and I don't I, I don't care. Right, because because the upside of having the computer do all of the inspection work is that you've now built a model so complicated that you can't inspect the model <laughs> anymore. Yep. Yeah. Any last thoughts? I think that it would be a good idea for us to build a test application with these. Something something in baseball. I think I mean I'm very Let's excited, but I'm I'm still at that like wary point of like, ooh, I wonder if this is actually going to be useful for us. 100% agree. Then I think I'll feel better once we actually do something with it. I think that brings us to the review session. Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman uh, just didn't take my fantasy team that far this year, so I'm I'm just sitting with that for a second. <laughs> Stats for 2022: uh, 12 wins, 10 losses. I mean, we're basically talking full season at this point. Uh, he's tw started 29 games. Probably get one more start, I think. Well, unless he start unless he gets a lot of stuff in the playoffs, I guess. Um, he's got a 3.32 ERA, 1.24 WHIP, and he's got 194 strikeouts in 165 innings. This guy's pretty much a workhorse. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, looking at his history, it's like whew, you wouldn't have. Let's let's talk a little bit about Kevin Cosman because he was the like. This is going to be a good guy. This guy is going to be good. Yep. 
Yep. This guy is going to be so good. You're, you're going to be surprised. <laughs> and then he just never quite did it with the Orioles, right? Going back here. Yeah, I mean, he was on the Orioles full-time 2013 to 2017. I mean, not full-time, but he was – he. and then after 20 – in 2018, he basically just started bouncing around. <laughs> yep, yeah. And, yeah, he's, he started, and he's been kind yeah. of a gun-for-hire pitcher arm for the past few years. So then he goes from then, he goes from Baltimore to Atlanta, Atlanta to Cincinnati, Cincinnati to San Francisco, finishes two seasons with San Francisco, pandemic seasons, <laughs> albeit. And then 2022, now he's with the Blue Jays. And his best year is last year in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Yeah. Way his best obviously his best year. Yeah. Very different. I mean, I remember in 2020, he'd had like a pretty good, pretty solid year. Only had three wins, but... 3.62 ERA, that's ownable. Mm-hmm. He had 60 innings. He had 79, 79 strikeouts, 1.11. I was like, no way. That's, that's got to be an anomaly. And then the next year he comes back, and he's like in the Cy Young conversation yep. for half this. Well, like, okay, well, he's in that over um, overproducing San Francisco team, and then he's going to get signed by the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. and then think that he's going to be – he's going to go to the AL East. Had a really good year. Had a really – I mean – I don't think he's been in a Cy Young conversation, but he he might be the the guy in a one one game playoff for the Blue Jays. Sure, I, I don't think he's throwing enough innings right now, honestly, to be to be a Cy Young guy. I mean, I think that's probably why he's not quite in it because if he if he had two hundred innings, he'd have two hundred and forty strikeouts. I mean, and then and then we'd really be talking about him. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is like is I don't understand the thing that I don't understand. We've been reviewing a lot of guys that are that have had stable ratio statistics. Kevin Gossman's ratio statistics are all over the place. His ERA, I mean, you're you're more of a an XFIP guy, so you can maybe tell us, but his ERA and WHIP, they're not consistent. Like, I don't feel like I can confidently predict what they're going to be next year in any way, which no, should, probably, we're, should probably be our bet box with, for him. But <laughs> I mean, we're in an, we are normalizing. Actually, if you look at his XERA, Wow, this is interesting. Um, actually, let's, let's talk about his FIP for a second here. Last year, his FIP was 3.0, and the year before, it was 3.09. This year, it's 2.38. Whoa. He's feeling independent pitching. I, and then wow, this year, I don't know what to make of that. Well, that's going from San Francisco to I guess. To, um, I guess. to Toronto. Yeah. And the funny thing is that the ERA switches. So last year's ERA was 2.81. Now it's 3.32. But if you were a betting person, you'd say like, which, Michael, I'm talking. If you were a yeah. betting person, oh, yeah. so uh, you'd say, "Wow, that's that's high. That, yeah. that, that has got to be higher than it should be." Yep. So maybe he was a Scion candidate. His xFIP is 278 this year. His FIP is 238 this year. His WAR is 5.4. So, so we did see what we expected, which was, "Ooh, I don't like the fact that he's going from San Francisco to Toronto." In his, in his, like, act in the stats that people are looking at. In his ERA and WHIP, yeah, no, it it it, huh. it is borne out. Huh. He could he huh. potentially if he was on a it, with a team with a better defense behind him and in a pitcher friendly ballpark, he could be a Cy Young huh. candidate. His BABIP last year was two seventy four. It is three sixty four this year. Oh man, oh man. Well, Toronto. No one ever accused Toronto of trying to build a uh, a good defensive team. <laughs> no. <laughs> His uh, left on base percentage went down in the wrong way. Last year, last year was seventy eight point four. This year, it's seventy four. 
fewer home runs this year, oddly enough, per fly ball, and fewer home runs per nine, fewer walks per nine. His K per nine is basically the same. It, I, last year it was yep. 10.6. This year it's 10.5. What? Last year it was 10.64. This year it's 10.56. So Excel and Python would both <laughs> say that those are the same. <laughs> were ground to 10.6. I, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't exactly know why he didn't. I mean, I guess, I guess it was just the transformation from or the transition from San Francisco to Toronto because he wasn't, he wasn't super, super highly drafted this year. No, I think everybody knew that it, there was going to be some regression. Yeah, but there is regression. But this, like, this is a good starter. I mean, this is like this is like what you hope for from your number two guy on your team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're team, grabbing him sure. second, that's great. Yeah. But he was in a, he was player sixty off the board this year. Well, no, he was sorry. His ranking, his expert ranking, was player sixty. He was fifty four off the board. Oh, it's earlier than that. So thought. people were picking him higher than what number um, pitcher was? What number wanted. pitcher was he going off the board? See, he's the one that we keep on talking about in the um, in this. 10 to 12 ring yeah. range he is pitcher 18 so he's getting picked as he's getting picked as a second guy but yeah of the of the guys that you could have picked in the second round think he's think he's actually returning real value for you well right so if we so if we say oh starting pitching wise if we do the okay well, let's go with sandy alcantara was number 13 mm-hmm. liam hendricks was 14 robbie ray was 15 freddie peralta was 16 max freed was 17 Kevin Do- Gosman was 18, Logan Webb was 19, Joe Musgrove was 20, Jose Barrios was 21, Charlie Morton was 22. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, for the most part, want Gosman off that list. If we aggregate these reviews, like, we should probably say, how did these teams do? In, how did these te- how, how did the teams do in TGFBI based on having this player on? That's a, I mean, that's part of our post mortem season post mortem that we'll work on that. All right. So what? Yeah, let's give a quick over under. Um, I think so. I'm looking. I'm looking at his the naive average for his career ERA three point nine three, WHIP one point two eight. Those are pretty close to his numbers this year. Uh, I think he's going to be better than that. The question is how much better. If I give you no, actually let's let's reverse that. His ERA this year three point three two. Better or worse next year? Better. Mm, I agree with that. Uh, is WHIP one point two four better or worse? One point two four better. It's got to be better than that. I don't, how far do we have? How far do we have to push it? How far would you push his WHIP, which I think is an interesting number, for him? So, he, so okay. How about this? Twenty twenty, he's one point oh four. Twenty twenty two, he's one point two four. Let's split the difference at one point one four. Where do you go? Over. Ah, I. All right, I'll make it interesting. I'll take the under. I think he's, I think he's probably going to be over, but I'll take the under. There you go. Okay, who are we doing next week? We're going to talk about Spencer Strider. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah, you said you'd stay.